It is that podcast time again, everybody. Welcome back. Episode four. Yes, it's not 3C. It's four. Uh, And today uh, on the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast, we're going to talk about what it takes to build the extreme physique that we always talk about where we say that ketogenic bodybuilding is keto for the extreme physique culture or as we like to say keto for badasses well what does it take to build that extreme physique and i kind of alluded to uh in the ketogenic bodybuilding facebook group that this was going to be a very frank discussion and that's because you know, when you get to the level um, that some people want to get to, uh, you, you know, people will, you know, as a coach, people will come to me and, and on the outset, you know, before the work has begun, before we've, you know, before I've even unfolded the damn, you know, roadmap and, you know, spread it out on the table and said, OK, so 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 here's here's what we're looking at. Um, everybody thinks that they're ready to dive in and go all in and give it absolutely everything they've got to accomplish this longtime goal of building their best body or building their best physique ever. Now, uh, like I said in the post in the uh, Ketogenic Bodybuilding Facebook group, I said, I may need to have a drink before this one. Um, Full disclosure, I've not had a drink. Um, but, uh, uh, if you hear me get up and you hear a glass clanging, that's because maybe I needed to have just a shot to level things off before I, uh, get into the, the, the real nuts and bolts of all this stuff. And and what I'm getting at is, is the thing that nobody ever wants to hear from somebody that does what I do is, Hey, it's going to be brutally hard. Nobody wants to hear that. And really, if you're teaching a marketing class, um, like if like if if I were to go to, you know, and I've been to these things, I've been to these seminars, you know, way back in the day before I learned that these seminars were all bullshit. Um, You know, they all were about motivation with uh, very few having any clear path or direction to achieve an actual goal. Um, but I learned a long time ago that, uh, motivation is bullshit and it's determination that gets you where you want to get to and a strong work ethic and an understanding that you are going to have to suffer more than you ever have in order to complete the goal that you have in your head. And, you know, the goal that you have in your head, everybody has a vision in their head, uh, hopefully of themselves and how, what they think their absolute best genetic potential would be, how that would look on them. Uh, Or as I like to say, you know, to be truly happy and ecstatic with your reflection, you know, look in that mirror and say, I think this is it. I think, uh, you know, I I think I'm there. I think this is about as good as it's going to get. And the thing is, is if, if you get to that point, which anyone can, when you get to that point, you're going to be thrilled with it. And you should be, you should be anyway. And if not, then there's other issues at play. But the goal is to get uh, to the point where you're building your most extreme physique. So what it takes to build an extreme physique or another way I want you to look at this, when you think of extreme physique, think of stage worthy body. Now, I've already said, episode one, I think, 
most of the people that listen to this podcast, most of the people that, uh, that train with me, that hire me as their coach and trainer, most of them do not aspire to stand on stage. However, recently, especially, and I don't know if it's because of the craziness with this, uh, you know, this COVID-19 bullshit or, or, you know, with the lockdowns or maybe there's a lot of self-reflection going on or, you know, people, you know, taking a hard look in the mirror. There's more inspiration because of, I don't, I really don't know, but I also know that there's been more interest with people that I speak to on a regular basis that inquire about my services that literally are, are talking about or playing with the notion of doing a competition, which I absolutely applaud that and encourage it. And the cool thing about that is, and I'm gonna explain why, is there has never been a better time to embark on the journey towards standing on stage and competing in a physique competition than the current era of competition in, in bodybuilding. We'll call it bodybuilding, that's really what it is. Um, because the, the industry has really blossomed. And, and there was a time where I didn't like it. I didn't like that because I was kind of a purist. But now I'm kind of, you know, seeing that it's, that it's actually a really good thing. And pr practically everyone, and I mean this, everyone that's listening to my voice right now could compete in a physique competition. And you could be part of that, you know, 1% or whatever it is, that extreme minority of people that actually go through, you know, a long prep and actually, you know, you know, pay an entry fee and stand on a stage in physique competition, comparing your hard work with the hard work of your peers around you on stage to, to you know, win a trophy or, or, or win a contest or a competition or a division or, or whatever. And for most people, just doing such is a victory because nobody can take that away from you once you do it. And, you know, in your daily life, once you get through that goal and you accomplish that journey to the stage, you're going to find that the overwhelming majority of people that you interact with are going to say, oh, my God, you know, I've never done that. I could never do that. And you're going to be a part of a, of, of a very elite group of people. And it's a cool place to be. And even though I was extremely heavily involved in that industry for many, many years, I didn't join the club, so to speak, until I was in my 40s when I finally wanted to experience it from the other side. And it wound up being one of the most, uh, in, in many ways, one of the most rewarding things I ever did. And um, I'm already getting away from my notes here, but I'm thinking about, you know, the first show that I did way back in 2015, you know, way back in 2015, it's not that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. And you know, not to get too sappy here, but you know, all of a sudden, you know, I just start talking about that first time and, and I get this wave of emotions and from the memories of, you know, the chaos of it and, and the uncertainty and, and the stress and the work and the time and, and, and the camaraderie of workout partners and family and friends and people that are supporting you. And, you know, the, the, just the experience of that first time on stage and not knowing what to truly expect. And, and, you know, when you get through it and, you know, I'll go ahead and tell a sappy story, you know, 
when I did my first competition in 2015, um, I was lucky enough to finish second in, in both the classes that I entered. That was the 40 plus masters and the open division, both heavyweights and the open is, is all ages. And I got a second in my very first showing and I'll never forget it. After, after the show was over, I'm standing backstage, not expecting, you know, cause in you know, I'll probably touch on this as we go through this episode, but you know, you're always your own worst critic. That's why it's important to have people around you to, you know, help critique what you're doing. But, uh, I'm sitting backstage thinking I didn't even place, you know, you know, there's no way I made top three, probably not even top five. And then, you know, when I got a second place in my first show, um, I was stunned and I was excited and I was happy with the result. And, you know, the guy, the guys that won, you know, that placed first ahead of me in both classes looked great and were well-deserving, but <laughs> you know, I'm standing backstage holding this trophy thinking what in the shit just happened? wow, what a, what a whirlwind, crazy ass experience this was. It's over after, you know, almost a year of nonstop work. And I see my phone light up and it's my wife who's out in the crowd and who was my biggest supporter and biggest cheerleader and biggest critic. And, you know, the, the text message just said, you know, you're my hero. <laughs> and, uh, I completely melted <laughs> to the floor and he became this big freaking puppy and started tearing up. And, you know, it's like everything that I'd been through, through that, that prep and all the things that you go through, finally, just all those emotions just, just finally just squeezed out of me, like wringing out a wet rag. And I think it was her words giving, you know, telling me that that was like really the, the, the valve that released all of it. And it was like, it just all just pouring out of me. And after that moment, you know, and then it, it was just life changing and it was such an incredible experience and it was great to be part of that unique club. And, um, and it was, it was just a wonderful experience. And then I, you know, did it year after year after year. And, and, you know, if you listen to episode three, um, looking to do that again in 2021 and this time at a national level. So I'm excited about that. So anyway, I'm already off track. <laughs> and, uh, so the cool thing is, you know, let me get, let me get this train back on the tracks here. Um, my point is people, if you're listening to this, if you've ever had that little inkling you know, could I take my love for training and my commitment to, you know, good nutrition and my goal of wanting to make a wholesale change and this, this transformation in my body. If you've ever had this just passing glimpse of a thought of wonder what it'd be like to get to that level where I could get to that pinnacle and take it to the, the, the point where I'm showing my body in competition and being critiqued for my hard work. I mean, the, to me, that's the hot, that's the pinnacle, right? And having the experience for me as a coach and a trainer, it with all the years that I put in as a coach and a trainer and all the things that I've been to and all the thousands of people that I work with and all my experience training for a competition and actually competing in a competition, it just took everything to a whole nother level. So, you know, it's, I really feel like I'm kind of at that point and, you know, it only took 25 years 
to where I'm really at that point now where there's really nothing I haven't heard or, or, or kind of been through or worked through or walked through with a client. And, and now if somebody says, I want to get to that level and compete, I'm like, Hey, you know, we can lock arms and we can walk through this together because, you know, I fought that battle many times and I'm fighting it again. So, so, you know, you know, grab your sword and sling on your helmet and let's do battle together. And it's just kind of this cool brotherhood, you know? Uh, so I highly encourage it. I highly, highly encourage you doing that. But what does it take to get that? That, well, that may be the bad news. I don't want it to be a deal breaker, but I'm also, you know, I've said it a thousand times. Repetition is the mother of skill. That's why I repeat a lot of things. I'm here to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And before anyone makes a decision to embark on that competition style uh, programming to, to possibly do a competition or to, to maybe schedule a photo shoot or something like that or have that stage worthy body, I, I have to get into, into your head if I, if I haven't already, that it will probably be the hardest thing that you've ever been through you know, or chosen to go through. You know, there's people out there have been through some horrific things and some terrible battles in their lives. And, you know, some people have been through hell and back in their personal lives or, 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 or other things. But, you know, this is one of those things that you kind of choose, you know, to walk through fire literally on a daily basis for months in order to complete a goal. Uh, but the cool thing is, is like any endeavor, like any athletic endeavor or sports endeavor or whatever, when you finally cross that finish line and in physique competition, that finish line is, is that final day where you finally step on stage to show everyone what you've worked so hard for, you know, at that point you, you've reached the top of the mountain and all of the suffering and all of the hard work and all of the training and all the dieting, you know, you wouldn't trade it for the world. You would go through it again. And then you probably will. Cause once you, you know, my buddy Melvin told me, once you get the bug, man, you got the bug. And, uh, I think everybody I've ever walked through a competition or supported through a competition has fallen in love with the process and went back, except I can only think of one, excuse me. I can think of two who it just wasn't for them. <laughs> and sadly, and that's cool. But you know, most of the time you really catch a bug for it. And, and it's, and it's, it's an experience that you can never shake. You'll always have that with you. So I hope I haven't oversold it because it just really did mean that much to me. And I, I literally missed it. And when I thought I was never going to do it again, I was honestly, each day I was still kind of searching, you know, deep in my soul or what, what's my next thing that I'm going to do that you will know, define my, my, you know, training purpose in life. It, you know, it, it needed to be something beyond just go to the gym, work out, try to eat good, look decent. You know, it just, I had to have something. And then I finally made the decision to jump back in again. So what does that look like? Well, let's talk about that because I want you to know, and again, it doesn't have to be, you know, competing in a competition, even though I, I think that is something that anybody can do now. And, and that should be your first consideration. Uh, competition can be against others or it can be against yourself. So what does that mean? Well, against others would be a physique competition, or it could be, you know, a higher stakes kind of a weight loss or physique transformation challenge. You know, sometimes there are, there are bigger ones out there where, you know, hundreds or thousands of people, you know, join, and, you know, you work against, you know, 
tons of other people and then you're graded at the end as who, who's made the greatest transformation. Well, that, that's something you could do um, if you don't want to stand on stage in, in, a, in a local show or competition can be just completely competing with yourself. And in my mind, the best way to do that, and I've, and I've done this so many times with clients over the years, is schedule a photo shoot. You know, in my opinion, you truly, truly need to put something on a calendar. You gotta put something on a calendar. Whether it's a competition date, whether it's a photo shoot with a, you know, with a, a photographer that you're paying hard-earned money to, um, or it's some sort of a weight loss challenge where, where you invest something in the process um, I think you may need to make that kind of commitment. Just marking a date on a calendar, that's fine. But I think you need to take it to a level where there's this different or a higher stake of accountability. So maybe you're just, it's, you just think you're too terrified for the process of competing and you maybe schedule that photo shoot. So what does that look like? Okay. Um, that looks like this. If, if I'm going to work toward building and developing the greatest physique that I've ever developed, if I'm willing to take it to a level that I've never taken it to before, I believe that uh, nearly everyone should allocate somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to 12 months time, seven to 12 months, um, seven, if you're in, in good shape, if you're, you know, got a decent level of muscularity, you're not carrying too much body fat. Um, you know, you, you know, have that athletic look to you already. You're already fairly lean. You already have some time spent in the gym. You have some experience. You've developed some muscularity. I think then nearly anyone, if, if that fits your description, we can get you to that extreme level in seven months. And then the further you are away from what I just described, it may take longer and longer and longer, but nearly everyone, unless you're just, you know, for lack of a better phrase, unless you're just clinically or morbidly obese, just about anyone can get there in a year, you know, so you could mark off 12 months. So kind of, you know, be truthful with where you're at, look at the calendar and if you fit that first description of the seven month guy or woman, then find a date on the calendar seven months into the future. Or if you think you want to stand on stage, you know, look at your local NPC, National Physique Committee website for, for your region or your state. Look at the, um, you know, the show schedule and maybe find a show that's seven to 12 months into the future and sort of mark that on your calendar. And then, uh, you know, make that your goal, but, but get that date, get that calendar set, book the appointment with the photographer. When registration opens for the show, enter the damn thing. Okay. And I always say, even if you end up not doing the show, which you, you probably will train as if you are. And if, you know, for some reason something happens and, and you can't follow through, the very minimum is, is you're out the investment of the registration, you know, maybe you're out a hundred bucks, but you still want that level of accountability made that you made that investment, you're entered, you're dialed in, you have a, a date on the calendar, you're committed. And then I truly believe that you get on social media and you tell the damn world about it. You know, you let them know what you're doing because 
you know, if they haven't ever done something like that, then who are they to critique your decision? They should be proud of you. They should be very supportive of you. And it's a great way to find out who truly supports you right out of the gate and who doesn't. So, so my first step would be decide, do I want to compete against others or do I want to compete against myself? If you're competing against others, do a physique competition. If you're competing against yourself, schedule a photo shoot with a reputable photographer in your area and get that thing on the calendar. So um, the cool thing about if you're trying to compete, okay, so you're trying to compete. If you decide that's what I want to do, I alluded to it a little earlier. There's never been a, a better time because of the current state of, you know, quote, bodybuilding, quote, uh, the state of the industry today. Um, it used to be like back in the nineties when I was really into the industry, uh, and a huge fan, there was just bodybuilding and there was female bodybuilding. That was it. You know, you're, you're a bodybuilder and you're, you're, that's the pinnacle of muscularity. And to be honest, it, it wasn't for everybody. You know, you, you had to have a certain set of genetic, you know, predispositions. You, you had to have a very high level of muscularity. You had to, you know, you had to fit a certain mold, but now, uh, you know, with the state of the industry, there is not only bodybuilding, but then there's what's called, you know, for, for men, there's bodybuilding, which is what I do. Um, but I have the genetics for that. I've got the history for that. I've got, you know, the muscle maturity for that. I've been doing it long enough. I, I, I can fit into that mold. And I'm thankful that I can, you know, um, then below that you have what's called classic physique. So if you think more back of what they call the golden era of bodybuilding, think Arnold Schwarzenegger, Frank Zane, you know, these guys, um, back in the seventies and eighties, they weren't this quite the, as over muscular as they are, you know, we're in the nineties and on up to today, they had more of what they call a classic physique. It was more about symmetry, about lines, about, you know, you know, it, it wasn't as over the top. And now they brought that division. There's a new division called classic physique. And so if you're the next level down in muscularity, then, uh, and you want to put more an importance on your posing routine and, you know, bringing more of an artistic expression package to the gym without being too corny, then maybe classic physique is your thing. And then on down further for the men would be what's called men's physique. And you may have seen this, but they don't actually compete in the, you know, the tiny little, you know, competition suits, the little speedo looking things that, that I wear that most that you've seen on most actual bodybuilders, they literally wear like board shorts and what they're trying to achieve is sort of like the pinnacle of the beach body, you know, super lean, not as over muscular. It's definitely the next level down again of muscularity. And really any guy who wants to put in seven to 12 months of super hard work and dieting can compete in that category, in that division. And that's the great thing about it. At first, when it first came out, I was like, what the hell is this? These guys don't really train legs. They're covered in board shorts. You know, what the hell? And then, you know, as I started going to shows and I actually started even working with men's physique guys and helping them and coach them for the stage, I thought, you know what? This is actually kind of cool. This gives the opportunity for anyone 
to work towards becoming their best and and to really take advantage of the genetic skill set that they have to stand up there and compete. And then what you could do is, you know, you'll have men's physique guys that'll compete in that division, more of the beach body kind of a look. And then as they, you know, train a couple more years and develop some more muscle maturity and put on some more size, and maybe they graduate up to the, the classic physique, which is the next level up. And then, you know, you'll see guys that compete at the classic level for a while. And then maybe they decide, okay, I'm going to go up another step and go into actual, just what's called open bodybuilding, you know, and that's kind of, that reaches the highest level. So you can actually work your way up. So it's kind of cool. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've had clients and friends, you know, guys in their fifties, you know, their very first competition, do the men's physique division and just kick ass and do great at it because it's, it, you know, it's, it's opened up the world. The bodybuilding world has opened up the opportunity for nearly anyone to stand on stage now. And it's the same with the women, you know, it body women's bodybuilding is really right now is, you know, it's, it's swirling, it's circling the drain. Um, cause a lot of people just don't want to see that level of muscularity in women. So, you know, you, you don't see a lot of women's bodybuilding anymore. You'll see that there's really three divisions now with women that you're going to see regularly. And that is what's called women's physique. That is the most muscular of the women's division, but it's still somewhat feminine. And then the next level down from that would be what's called women's figure. So imagine a considerably less muscularity and a little bit more femininity presentation involved. And then you go down one other level and it's called women's bikini. Now women's bikini would be, uh, the least muscular and you know, it's actually a great sort of a, 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 a combination or like a hybrid of like a, you know, uh, swimsuit, you know, model competition and a physique competition. Not to say that these women don't work their asses off because they do. And I've trained women for the stage in women's bikini and these girls kill themselves just like everybody else does. And there's a lot that goes into the posing aspect of it. There's a lot that goes into the hair and makeup and the kind of suit they wear. But my point is, is just like with the men, nearly any woman can do the women's bikini for the most part. And I've had women in their fifties do their very, very first competition in their fifties in the women's, um, bikini, you know, uh, class and done extremely well, you know? So, you know, at this point, like I said, not to keep beating this dead horse, anyone can compete. So, you know, definitely go on Google and YouTube or whatever and type in, you know, women's bikini. Uh, or if you're older, like me, put in masters women's bikini. The masters is the older, uh, more experienced people. Typically, it's, you know, people over 30, 40 or 50 and on up or in the masters division. If you're a guy and you're older like me and then put in, you know, men's physique masters division and kind of look at the bodies, look at the physiques. You're going to notice that it's not the 300 pound mass monster you see on the cover of flex magazine. You'll see very quickly that, Hey, if I train hard and I lean out and I take it to a level that I've never taken it to before, you know, I could do that and you can. So that's the cool thing about it. Um, and then you're now steeped into that competition world. So, 
Um, so the way bodybuilding is right now and the way physique competition is now, it's, it's opened that world up to everybody, to, to Main Street America and, and beyond. And so, you know, once again, if you are a gym rat and you're driven and you're ready to take it to a level you've never taken it to, then you can do this. And I've taken people from literally almost the couch to the stage uh, within a year's time. And it's not uncommon. And, and you see it happen, you know, you just have to be prepared to work at a level that you've never worked before. So that's why, you know, the, the point of this whole podcast, what it takes. So what does it take to build an extreme physique? Well, like most things, athletic endeavors, you have to look at your training year, your competition prep, as it's called. If you, you know, if you're going to compete in a competition, it's called a prep. You're preparing to get from starting point to stage and there's phases of that prep and I'm currently in a prep for 2021. Now, if everything goes back to normal after this, you know, COVID-19 horseshit and all the schedules get back to what they normally were, I'm looking to do a national level competition that usually falls around the month of July. And, um, so I'm looking at somewhere, I don't, I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I'm, I'm somewhere around 10 months out. That's a long time. It seems like anyway, but trust me, that 10 months is going to freaking fly by. So you got to be on your game nearly every day, even 10 months out. It's always in your head. And the difference between bodybuilding or physique competition and many other endeavors, you know, if, if your goal is to be the best tennis player in your county, you know, then so many days or so many nights a week, you play tennis hard for a few hours. And then, you know, you may eat a little better to be a better tennis player, to be the best tennis player in the county or whatever. But in physique competition, every damn thing you do is training. Everything you do, everything you put in your mouth, every set, every rep, every workout, every hour of sleep that you do or do not get your structured recovery, your supplementation, your mindset, your, your uh, reduction of stress, everything comes into play and everything has to be meticulously drawn out. You know, can you think of, there aren't too many things in this world where like me, for instance, you know, I have to plan the next roughly 10 months to know that on a certain Saturday morning at 10 AM, 10 months or more into the future, I have to land on that day and be the absolute best that I can possibly be on that day at that time. It is a chess match. It is a damn chess match. And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors too. But, you know, there aren't too many things where, you know, everything that you do involves your dedication and commitment to making sure that this goal gets completed the way that you, you know, that, that you want it to be completed, that you fulfill the goal that you have in your head. You know, my thing is, is, you know, you don't do anything that you don't expect to win. Why would you, you know, go, go at everything as hard as you can, harder than you've ever done it before and have the mindset that, Hey, I compete to be the best. And even if you don't end up with that first place, it doesn't matter. You're still a winner and it will be the proudest moment you've ever had as long as you put everything you have into it. The worst feeling. The worst feeling 
is standing on stage at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, you know, a year after you made the commitment and you're thinking of all the times where I shouldn't have eaten that, I fell short here, I didn't put up as much as I should here, I could have trained harder, I could have dieted harder. You know, people always come to me and say, what secrets do you have in that last week to, to really dial it in and make sure you give the most incredible physique, physique that you can on stage on that morning? And my reply is always, well, if you've done everything you should have done up to that point, there really isn't anything to change. There's no damn secret voodoo in the last couple of days that are gonna make such a dramatic difference. The key is come in shape. Just be in freaking shape. Do the work. Leave nothing to chance. So when you wake up the morning of that competition or the mo morning of that photo shoot, you got a smile on your face. You're confident because you know I gave it all. I gave it all. I did the absolute possible best I ever could. And it brought me to this pinnacle, this pinnacle of my genetic potential. And I'm about to deliver that potential on stage for judges to critique. And I'm gonna stand in front of my family and my peers and my loved ones and fans, and they're gonna see that I gave it everything that I had. And it will be the proudest moment of your life. It'll be very stressful, but it'll be the proudest moment of your life. So I'm going into my prep right now, and you would do the same. So right now, I'm going through what I would call a gain phase. Now, even though I'm 51 years old, and you can only put on so much muscle at my age, I'm still in a caloric surplus right now. And we've talked about that, you know, in a gain phase and in, in episode three, you can look back to that. So I'm in that caloric surplus. I'm training really hard. I'm really making sure I get a lot of sleep and a lot of recovery to grow and repair and overcompensate and all these things to try to, to, to preserve and add as much lean tissue as I possibly can and then to definitely do whatever I have to do to maintain it. You know, so every ounce, every pound right now is a critical thing. So what I'm looking to do is I sort of mapped out my season and a good coach will do this for you, is I'm going to be in this gain phase for September, October, November, and December of 2020. And then as I get into January, I will go into sort of a cruise. I'll sort of just kind of maintain, hold on uh, at that, at that, wherever I'm at at that point. And then when I'm about 24 weeks out, that's about, you know, about five to, you know, five, five to six months, then I'm going to start to taper my calories down. So, you know, I might start by reducing my caloric intake by a hundred or 200 calories a week. And I may start to drop my fat grams down a little bit. And I may start to make some little adjustments and sort of start to slowly taper down, sort of aiming toward that 12 week point where I'm going to go into my super hard cut. So essentially what I'm really doing is I'm going to go through a gain phase for the first four months. And then I'm going to kind of hang on and evaluate and see where I'm at. And then I'm going to start to taper down a little bit because I don't want to take a like a dive and risk losing any muscle because I go into a deficit or a hard deficit too fast. So I'm gonna to start to slowly taper each week and really evaluate how my physique looks and how I feel. And then I'll have that date on the calendar where I slowly start making that you know arc down, aiming for that target of 12 weeks out. And when I hit that date, 
that's when the real suffering begins. And then I go into my hard cut where fat is dramatically reduced, calories are dramatically reduced, protein becomes a super dominant macronutrient because I'm trying to get a, a, you know, maintain lean mass while burning as much body fat as I can. And then it be, kind of comes this chess match of, you know, in and out and, and you know, um, manipulating input and output and, and adjusting calories and fat and protein and carbs and how much carbs before a workout and, and how many carbs during a refeed. And then that might change each week. So it's always this chess match working towards the stage in that final 12 weeks or working towards that photo shoot or whatever the goal that is for you in that last 12 weeks. So that's what I'm going to do. But the thing about it is, no, this all sounds good. Like I can do that. That sounds great. You, it's a plan. You know, you gain phase and you taper, then you hit hard cut twelve weeks out. Here's the thing. Here's the part that many don't get. And I've had clients actually come. You know, that I train online, and they will come spend a day or a weekend with me in the gym. And even though they tell me that they're training super high intensity and they're giving it everything they have. Some find out that once I take them through a workout in person or they train with me for a day in person, they'll realize that maybe they weren't taking it to the level that they needed to take it to. You know, and then there are some people that are just freaking animals and I'm proud to death of them. Like you're, you're killing it. Don't change freaking thing. And you know, it's all good. So, um, but the, my point is, is, you know, is, you know, from the gain phase to the taper, to the hard cut, you have to give it everything you have. Now I wouldn't call it outright suffering in the gain phase. Now, the only time you're suffering in the gain phase is during the workouts themselves for that hour that you're training in the gym, 45 minutes to an hour or whatever, it better be the most intense 45 minutes to an hour of your training life everything you got. And I'm not saying be reckless, but I'm saying you want to give it absolutely everything you have while you're doing this. Okay. Now it doesn't get to the suffering part until you get into your cut, the hard cut, especially. And that's when, I mean, I'm, it, it's so bizarre. You know, you're, you're, it's going to mess with your head. It's going to be super, super difficult. You think that you have, you know, suffered before, you think you've withheld before, you think you have sacrificed before, a hard cut for competition is about as hard as it's ever going to get. And I just told one of my clients who's literally weeks away from the stage and he's looking phenomenal. You know, I readjusted his macros in that final push. And I basically said, if it tastes good, you're doing it wrong. If you're not suffering, you're doing it wrong. And if there's anything about that, your diet that you're enjoying, you're definitely doing it wrong. But he got it. You know, he laughed at that. He's like, bring it, you know, bring on the pain, bring on the suffering. And if you look at this guy, he is shredded, peeled and ridiculous looking. And, you know, I often have a joke that I that I that I give to my clients and, and you know, people in the gym that I train. When you get into that hard cut, you know, it's it's dramatic because you're going to drop a lot of weight and you're gonna lean out, and you're gonna be leaner than you've ever been in your entire life if you do it right. And you're gonna to start to make massive changes, and you're gonna to start to get shredded and gaunt, and your face is gonna to start to get drawn in, and you know, and people will start to say, oh my God, are you okay? I mean, they're gonna think, you're gonna think you're sick. So I always make this joke, I'm like, listen, if the people around you on a regular basis 
say that you're looking sick and they're concerned about your health, you're definitely on your way. Good job. Keep it going. Now, if they get to the point where they're scheduling an intervention, they're so concerned about you, you're there. Congratulations. That's where you need to be. Now, I'm going to go on record and say, you know, as much as I am concerned about health as the next guy and I take steps to make sure that I'm doing things healthy all the time, there's very little that's healthy about that last 12 weeks. You're not going to be taking in enough calories that you need. You're not going to be taking in as much fat as you should be taking in. You're not going to be taking in as many nutrients as you need to be. You're going to need to supplement, you know, micronutrients to try to make up for the massive deficit. You're going to feel like shit. You're probably going to have sleepless nights. You're going to have, you know, it's not easy, but it's that hard push towards accomplishing a goal. And then when that goal is achieved, then you bring everything back in. And, you know, for the greater part of the year, you're focusing on not only training and nutrition, but you're focusing back on your health again. But I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that that you know, 10, 12 week cut that you do is healthy. You know, it's like any other, like these marathon runners or ultra runners that are, you know, running a freaking hundred miles a week, whatever they're doing and depleting themselves to be faster and to be leaner. And, you know, nobody's going to call that healthy. You know, a lot of athletes destroy their bodies in an attempt to achieve some pinnacle in their sport and physique competition is no different. But that's why it's important to carve out a very small window of time throughout the year, go through that, and then come out of that and get shit back to normal for your own good health, sanity, and everything else. So I'm not going to say it's healthy, but if you do it for no more than that 10 to 12 weeks, then you should be fine. Um, You're not going to create any long-term damage unless you just do something that's ridiculously irresponsible, which I would never recommend. So the thing is, is when you, you know, yes, you're going to be giving it every, every, the hardest you've ever worked on in your life, multiply that times two. And that's what you need to be doing during your gain phase and pretty much throughout your whole prep until you get down to the last few weeks where you need to back off a little bit because you don't want to risk any injury. And then when you get into that cut, man, that's when shit hits the fan. Okay. Cutting protocol. It gets freaky. You didn't think I was going to walk you through a cut in this episode, did you? So you, you people that are hanging in there, you're, you, everybody wants to know how to cut. Guess what? We're going to walk through that. We're going to get. We're going to walk through the broad strokes of a good cut, the ketogenic bodybuilding cutting protocol. You're going to find that the, you know if you have a history in traditional bodybuilding, there's a lot of things that are still kept in from from traditional bodybuilding cuts, and you know some will say, well, it's not keto. Well, damn sure. Right. It is. And you know how many bodybuilders over the years who go into a cut and reach a level of ketosis and had no idea they even did. Why? Because they get so damn low carb and low calorie, their body as a defense mechanism starts generating ketones, you know, to, to nourish the body and the brain and the organs and the muscles to compensate for the lack of glucose you know, and the lack of calories and, and to, to feed the body what it needs. And, you know, there's a lot of bodybuilders and physique competitors over, over the, the decades that went very ketogenic and probably had no idea they even were. So, you know, and again, this isn't your typical keto anyway, if you haven't figured that shit out already. So, you know, for the majority of my career now going on a quarter century, that's 25 years, you don't have to Google it. Um, I've primarily trained real people not IFBB pro bodybuilders uh, with real lives in the trenches of the gym floor five days a week for eight to 15 hours a day. In addition, for the past, you know, three or so years, I've been doing it 
internationally online, you know, and in, in, in this new information age. And I've been very blessed to be able to do so as not only a trainer and a coach, but as a competition prep coach and, you know, as a very specific nutrition coach. Um, the physique competitors and the bodybuilders that I work with, you know, that's it. That's you. Hardworking moms and dads, grandparents, even businessmen and women that are looking to make that leap into competition, you know, finding a local NPC event and taking that eight months to a year and uh, while working a full time job to fulfill that life goal. You know, so, you know, while these goals differ from person to person, inevitably the, the desire to get lean comes into the conversation. Now, we just talked about that. If you're going through a competition, you get into that cut phase and it is arguably the most important aspect of the competition, because here's the thing, guys, it ain't the biggest guys or women that win in the amateur level, especially and not really in the pro levels either. You may think it is, but it's really not. But the leanest and most conditioned bodies win the competitions. You know, I've competed. I wasn't the biggest guy on stage, but I was, you know, I was the most symmetrical. You know, I had the better conditioning. I was more cut. I was more full. I did things right in the, in, through that prep that separated me from guys who may have been bigger but it's not just about size and muscularity. It's about presenting that package in the most conditioned, leanest way possible. In fact, even while being steeped in the hardcore body, bodybuilding culture of the 90s, for that decade that I was doing that, where super hard training and big eatings were the standard, there would come a time where losing the body fat to reveal that lean, ripped physique always became the overriding, overwhelming goal. You will hear people in, in you know, old guys like me you know, sit there and, and pine about the old days and how bodybuilding was, you know, everybody was so much better conditioned and had a better work ethic back in the 90s. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And there are some amazing competitors currently in, in, on the landscape. And there are some that defy, you know, that statement. But as a whole, I think the work ethic was a little different back then. You know, the focus was on training and nutrition and becoming super conditioned to present the best package you could. Um, you, you can't truly appreciate the physique of a hard training human being if they're always covered in a, in a blanket of body fat. I mean, hell, fucking even a 900 count satin sheet for that matter, covered up is covered up. The most impressive bodies from physique competitors to soccer moms and everything else in between are those who are the leanest. All right, sure guys, it's impressive to fill out the sleeves of your extra large t-shirt, but the real test is when you peel off that t-shirt at the beach or on the boat or a hot summer day at the family picnic or, you know, at the pinnacle of that, you peel off your big baggy sweatshirt backstage at a competition and you're catching everybody's eye because they didn't think you were the, the, the threat until you took off your sweatshirt and you were so freaking peeled to the bone, their jaws drop, you know, shredded is always more impressive. You know, a lean cut body will always present or look bigger in a good way than one that is layered in body fat. And ladies, you want to feel confident in your little black dress or at the pool or at the, at the dinner party with your friends, regardless of what stage of muscularity you happen to be in. Leaner is better. And trust me, when, you know, even though you're going to feel like you're shrinking when you go into your cut, you got to stay the course and you got to keep it in your head. Leaner is better, leaner is better, leaner is better. Because when you get up on that stage under those lights, after you pump up and you carb up and all this stuff that you do in the last 24 to 48 hours, 
you're going to present the best physique that you've ever presented in your life if you do this properly and you hold on to that that mantra of leaner is better so you know this is powerful information so you know getting lean getting shredded i've said this forever if you want to know how to get lean ask a bodybuilder i've said this my entire career for over 65 years it's been bodybuilders and physique competitors who research to a maniacal level the subject of getting shredded you know peeled ripped sliced whatever you want to call it you know, I say this all the time. No single group of people have studied, experimented, researched, and analyzed and scrutinized the science of getting lean than this group of unusually obsessed species of people. Trust me on this. But the point I'm continuing to try to make with this is that, you know, even if you are someone who needs to lose five pounds or 50 pounds, there's a lot to be gained by this powerful information of becoming shredded. I have taken 50-year-old men and women who have never even remotely considered being competitive in a physique sport and applied the same technology to them and gotten remarkable results. So, you know, if you're thinking, well, I'm just trying to get the weight off, uh, I'm never going to compete. Well, that's fine. But these principles of this hard cut principle will work for you too if your goal is, like we said on the outset, is to reach that pinnacle, that extreme physique. If you're just trying to drop 10 pounds, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But if you're trying to take yourself to a level of physique that you've never accomplished, that you've always had in your head, that you've always wanted to reach, if you're obsessed with that, then this is how you do it, people. Okay? So if you're planning to step on stage for the first time or the 15th time, these principles work. And they will help you reach the greatest potential on contest, on contest day. Right? You know, the famous tagline of this, this my company, this, this group, this, this podcast Ketogenic bodybuilding, keto for the extreme physique culture. Was it, what is an extreme physique? You know, what do we say? You know, to put it simply, it's any version of all the categories of physique competition at both the pro and the amateur level. You know, like we said, those visions, you've got bodybuilders, you've got classic physique, you've got men's physique if you're the guys. For women, you got, there is women's bodybuilding still in some places. you got women's physique, you got women's figure, you got women's bikini. Regardless of what division you choose, if you're on that stage competing in that division, you're still reaching the pinnacle of physique achievement in that class. You're still the, competing as the best of the best, the leanest of the leanest, the jacked of the jacked. That's, that's the goal. Okay. So that needs to be the way you look at this. So in it all, it really does go back to my deplete target reload, the DTR protocol that I outlined, you know, in episode one. You know, we deplete the body and brain of carbohydrate. This causes the brain to produce, you know, then in turn burn ketones for energy in the absence of glucose, making the dieting process more manageable. So you have less, less cravings and also reap the benefits of having lowered systemic inflammation and all these things. So, you know, the whole ketogenic diet, you know, protocol, the overlying philosophy of it works so well in this hard cut because if you've already been doing some kind of a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet, then your body has already got some metabolic flexi flexibility to it. And then when you drop into this hard cut and you can make that shift into burning ketones for energy faster than you'll do it faster and more efficiently than somebody who's never really done this before. So if you're listening to this because you're a sort of a keto connoisseur, then you're already ahead of the game. So, you know, congratulations. So if that, you know, deplete target reload principle that I've outlined in my typical, you know, protocol, like in episode one, or if, or if you have some of the literature that I sent out, if you're a client, 
you're already more prepared and ahead of the game to take this cut to that level than somebody who's never done something like that before. So, so beginning your cut. The reason I'm outlining the cut portion is, you know, there's going to be a lot of time to talk about the training aspect, but I want you to really get it into your head, the level of suffering, suffering you're going to have to go through in a cut to achieve this goal, you know, and I think a lot of you're going to be like, yeah, okay, it sounds horrible, but bring it. And then there's some of you are going to be like, well, screw that shit. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know it was going to suck that bad. Nah, this isn't for me. And that's fine too. Better to know now, right? than to make a commitment and realize it was just more than you can handle. But if you're the, you know, hardcore badass that, you know, that we attract, <laughs> then it's you, some of you are going to get all pumped up and excited. And that's, what's really fun about this shit. So, so beginning your cut. All right. So, all right, we're, we're already 52 minutes in. So I'm going to kind of burn through some of the principles of what cutting is going to look like. If you're, you know, once you get to that stage in your bodybuilding or, or competition prep. So let's begin your cut. Cutting body fat really isn't a hard and fast science. It, it has few absolutes to it. Instincts and experience win the day, you know, in, in combination with some very basic principles. In short, it will vary some from athlete to athlete, especially as we get closer. Some people do things a little bit different in that last week. Some people do things a little bit different than that in the last week. Some people respond better to a little bit of fat. Some people respond better to a little bit of carbs. You know, so everybody's a little different, but the, the same rules apply. It, it's a combination of a few simple principles and lots of adjustments and fine tuning along the way. Here's the thing. 99% of this is dietary compliance. Long pause for effect, okay? I will say that again. 98% of this is dietary compliance. Sticking to the diet. So when I get people that say, oh my God, I'm two weeks out and I still have to do this. What do I do? What are some tips? What are some secrets? I'm like there are no tips. There are no secrets. You should have just been ready. You should have worked harder. You should have stayed compliant to the diet. You should have done what I told you to do. But if you come into two weeks out, a week out, a month out, and you're freaking out because you know you and your coach agree that you might not be ready if something drastic doesn't happen, it's just because you didn't put into it what you should have put into it. Come in in shape, you know? If, you, if the date on the calendar, if, if you know, if September 5th is your competition, put in the work to make sure that September the 3rd, you look better than you've ever looked in your damn life. And then we cruise in the last 48 hours, make a couple little tiny, tiny changes to bring you in full, hard, ripped, jacked and peeled. And you stand up there and get your fucking medal and go home. Dietary compliance, 99% of this. If you get really lean and put in the work, then we don't have to worry about tricks and hacks and voodoo. The emergency protocols during that last week or two of competition prep, because honestly, they rarely work. Admittedly, I do it old school. If I have to suffer, I want my suffering simple and repetitive. That's what works the best. I don't want to think too much. I don't want my competitors to think too much. You know, this is very straight and simple and very forward. There are no magic bullets out there. Get the diet right, comply, and the rest are just simple steps to the stage. The less we have to alter on peak week, that last week before the show, 
that last week before you take pictures, you know, the better you did during that, you know, eight to 16 weeks prior with your dietary compliance and your training. In short, it's about how much you suffered. Just because you saw, you know, just because no one saw you, you know, with your spoon in the fucking Nutella jar or, you know, eating half a jar of peanut butter three weeks out, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It all matters. Everything matters when you get to this level, okay? Often when a client listens to this, they get a bit concerned because they feel that the keto element has been abandoned due to the limited or reduced amount of fats. Because you will be taking your fat numbers down as we get into a hard cut. Let me be repetitive. Keto is about low carb, not high fat, okay? So remember, as you get into that last roughly 12 weeks, you're gonna be on a high protein, low, you know, moderate at best fat intake that will get even lower and lower as you get to contest time and your carbs are gonna be really low except for the carbs that we lightly sprinkle around workouts and on occasional refeeds. So, you know, remember, it's, it's you gotta walk away from the purest aspect of, you know, don't listen to Keto, keto Kenny if you're trying to do a competition and take it to that level. You know, you can be very, you know, you know, everybody out there knows that that the the version of keto that athletes and you know physique enthusiasts use or should be using is a higher protein, moderate fat, low carb. It's still ketogenic. You can still reach ketosis. It's just not the therapeutic, super high fat, butter chugging keto that other people out there are doing. And I don't think that style of keto is ever going to take anybody to that lean, dense, hard look where you look like you're carved out of fucking wood when you stand on stage. Okay. Sadly, many are introduced to that therapeutic ketogenic diet rather than what we refer to as just nutritional ketosis and what I would call nutritional ketosis for physique competitors or athletes. Ketosis is a metabolic state and more important to the brain and certain energy pathways than it is about fat reduction. It's not this magic bullet for fat reduction. It's not about how much fat you can pour down your throat. It's about finding the precise amount required to fuel your, fuel your body and brain in the absence of carbohydrate. Protein is the major player here and has the highest TEF rating or the thermic effect of food. That's why it's so critical in contest time when you're trying to get shredded to the damn bone. Your body burns more calories eating protein than both fat and carbohydrate. Additionally, of the three macronutrients, it's protein that's the least likely to store as fat. The body doesn't want to store protein. It has a job to do. It has little to do with storing. Protein wants to go to work building muscle, repairing cells and tissue. Protein is your more, in, more important macronutrient to the, to the hard training athlete. And there's a reason bodybuilders and physique competitors push some, put such a premium on protein when they're both gaining and cutting, right? For the leanest or for the cutting phase of competition prep, it's about you know whatever gets you to the leanest possible body while preserving as much lean muscle as possible. If you had to really bring it down to its finest point, the goal during the cut phase it's whatever gets you to the leanest possible body that you can have, the, the lowest percentage of body fat that you, can, that, that you can take it down to while preserving as much lean muscle as possible because you want to show off that muscle on stage with the least amount of body fat as you can. And the same holds true for the non-competitor. You know, you don't want to lose 20 pounds if eight pounds of that is muscle. You're taking a step backward and potentially damaging your metabolism. Too many calories can be harmful 
as well as too little. Remember that. That's why we don't do it for super, super long. We don't do this shit year round. It can be very damaging to the body. So it's not easy to get a client or even myself for that matter to be their absolute best at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning like we talked about for months into the future. It is a chess match. It's smoke and mirrors and a lot of twisting of the knobs until we dial it into the client's best physique on that show day or on that photo shoot day. In fact, at the, at, you know, as I'm saying this, like we just talked about, I'm roughly 10 months out from a national level competition and I'm already freaking out about it. But, I, but I'm already prepared for that 12 weeks of hell that's coming into the future and it'll be here faster than I could ever, than, than I can imagine. It's gonna fly by because I've been down this road too many times. Okay, so what do I start? How do I start this process? So let's say it's 12 weeks out or, or whatever your coach decides the timeline for you starting a hard cut. So for the first roughly week or two, I'm just going to eat intuitively off my cutting food list. And I'm going to eat every two and a half to three hours. Okay, and that begins roughly at wake up. We talked about this in episode two when I walked through, you know, the, the seven rules of engagement. Meal frequency, I think, is important to the competitor for most people. So uh, what I will do is I start eating fairly immediately in the morning. I, I might have a cup of coffee first, and if I'm in that 12 weeks, it's black coffee. It's black coffee, sorry, it's black coffee. And I'll have some water. I'll take my supplements, you know, my vitamin D, my omega-3s, my animal pack or whatever I'm taking. I may have a cup of black coffee or so, and then I'm having 50 grams of whey isolate. And, uh, you know, I may have some MCT oil in that. And, you know, that's how my day starts off. And then I start, you know, at every two to three hours, um, I'm going to eat off of my cut list. What the hell's a cut list? Well, I can read it to you you know, <laughs> you know, I, I know it in my head. I, I don't even have to read it because it's a limited list because if the food you're eating is not repetitive and bland and boring in that last 12 weeks, you're doing it wrong, you know, and I will have a lot of egg whites, you know, mixed with a certain number of egg yolks. So it's dominant protein. So I might have like two whole eggs mixed with like a, a cup of egg whites. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of boneless, skinless chicken breast. I'm going to be doing a lot of turkey breast. That's like 96, 97% lean. I'll do a lot of white fish, like cod. Um, I like that. I'll have some tuna, shrimp, some, some, sometimes some wild caught salmon. If I do any red meat, it's going to be like a filet mignon or like a lean sirloin steak or eye of round. If I get ground beef, it's 98% uh, lean um, minimum. Uh, the aforementioned whey protein isolate, and I'll have that. Um, I do some green leafy vegetables. I'll do asparagus, some dark leafy greens, some occasional broccoli, maybe some roasted cauliflower. I don't have any starches unless I'm doing it around workouts or on a refeed. I do maintain some healthy oil consumption. I may have a tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil, some macadamia nut oil, which is my favorite, or some avocado oil. I'll, I'll, I'll spoon that over the vegetables I consume or I'll, you know, I like spooning a little bit of healthy oils over as like some chicken or some, some meat and adding some pink salt and pepper. Uh, I won't have any nuts. I won't have any dairy. Uh, I will do some C8 MCT oil, maybe once or twice a day, uh, sometimes more depending on where my calories are, are lining up. 
And on refeeds, I'm going to stick to my mainstays, which are sweet potato, and it's measured, cream of rice, measured, rice, regular rice, measured. I may have some gluten-free organic oatmeal, measured out. I may have the occasional plain-ass rice cake, <laughs> you know, so th this is my refeed protocol foods. And, and like I said before, my coffee I'm drinking during my cut is just black coffee. Um, I'm not having an, any alcohol. You know, there's no place in bodybuilding during that cut phase for alcohol. So get that shit out of your head. Have a drink to celebrate your win, but not before. Okay. I'm still going to do refeeds. My refeeds will be on Saturday or Sunday, and this will become as needed starting about six weeks out. And then it, 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 you know, when I feel like I'm completely depleted or I'm getting a little flat, then I'm going to judge myself based on how I look in the mirror or in photographs or the opinion of others that I trust. And then, you know, structure my refeeds as needed, not just on a definite weekly basis. I usually start doing that about six weeks out. Before that, it's the, the starchy foods that I mentioned before, the cream of rices, the gluten-free oatmeal, the sweet potatoes, rice, that sort of thing, okay? And then I'm still going to do um, a little bit of carbohydrate around my workout. Now, when I'm in a cut, I, I, I pretty much exclusively use a fast-absorbing carbohydrate, like a cyclic dextrin, some version of a cyclic dextrin powder. Um, so it's liquid carbohydrate. Uh, you know, like 15 to 20 minutes before I train and then maybe sipping through my workout. Um, and that's it. And then post-workout, it's protein only. Now, I still stick to that, you know, protocol throughout my cut as well. As I'm into that hard cut, I'm going to be taking in a ton of water, a gallon and a half a day, generally, minimum of a gallon. Um, contrary to what others might tell you, you don't cut back on your sodium. You know, sodium is a glu glucose transport mechanism. If you want to look flat, then drop the salt. You know, there may be a reduction the Friday before the show, depending on the person and how they look. Um, but I put pink Himalayan sea salt on just about everything, almost all the way up to the show. And if you want a freaky pump during your workout, you know, put some salt on something in your pre-workout. Mix some salt in there somehow. Um, you know, you could add some pink salt to a shake. You could put some uh, two bouillon cubes, you know, and some water and throw it in the microwave for two minutes and drink it like a, almost like a tea. And, uh, you know, then go work out. You're gonna get a crazy pump by doing that. You get a vein busting pump. So that's a little trick you can use. And uh, you may even wanna, you know, I make sure I take in some salt in the, right before I go on stage for pre-judging. You know, that, I'm, that's a big deal for me because I really want that salt uh, to work with my carbohydrate, you know, and the glu glucose transport mechanism to really give me a full pump. So, um, uh, but if you pick your foods off of that cut list, you're going to be in a deficit unless you're just eating out insane amounts of it. So track what you do, you know, pick foods, I pick foods off the list, I track, and at the end of the day, I look where my calories land I you know, gauge how I feel, I gauge how my workouts were, I gauge how I look, I gauge my rate of fat loss, and then I'll make adjustments literally every week until I find that sweet spot, and then I'll just kind of keep cruising through that number, whatever that number is, and then if things start to slow down or stall, then you know I'll turn the knobs and pull the levers a little bit, make an adjustment, and keep working on. 
I also do steady state cardio this time during a cut for sure. I do steady state cardio pretty much throughout the entire prep. You will have a better appearance. You will have a better look. I'm going to do a whole podcast on cardio and why you should be doing it. Seems like there's this weird movement out there these days where people are saying don't do cardio and steady state cardio is useless. That's just exquisite bullshit. And I will walk you through why cardio is not only going to help you with your conditioning, but your overall health and you know, it can help you even with, you know, muscle gain. So, you know, I do four to five days a week of 30 to 45 minutes of steady state cardio for conditioning and fat loss. Uh, Regardless of what the keyboard commandos say out there, it simply works. So the goal is to mobilize fat and lipids for energy and not to tap in glucose for energy. So, you know, we want to burn fat and spare lean mass. So I use a heart rate method that I am going to talk about in the aforementioned uh, cardio podcast that I'm going to go into. But uh, I, I go by a certain heart rate that maintains, you know, that, that makes sure that I am uh, training in my aerobic zone and I'm not going into anaerobic and I'm always using oxygen and uh, mobilizing fat for energy during the car- the cardio. So it's steady state, low intensity. And I stick to that, uh, that heart rate throughout the entire event. And it is very conversation paced kind of cardio. Yeah. So I definitely do that. And then you're going to want to really get familiar with uh, how your class poses on stage. That's the thing that I, I was probably the most glaring surprise to me the first year that I competed is how important posing was. I didn't do enough. I didn't pose enough out, you know, weeks and weeks out from the show. Um, it was a weakness. Um, you could see that to a degree on stage, even though I think I held, I, I faked it pretty well. Uh, I still think I got through it, but you're going to be stunned at how difficult that it is. So you need to, you know, become familiar with what the mandatory poses are for whatever class you're competing in. You know, a YouTube search can probably bring that up and then you need to practice, 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 because the last thing you want to do is to be standing under glaring white light, terrified in your first competition on stage and not be familiar with posing, you know, and be comfortable with it because you're not going to have a mirror with you on stage. You know, you're, you're going it, to, it takes a lot of practice to learn how to contract every muscle of your body, regardless of what pose you're hitting, because you will have to do that. You're trying to show the best package you possibly can during your few minutes that you have on stage. So, uh, you know, three, four days a week, many, many weeks out, I will pose for 15, 20 minutes a day, doing all my mandatory poses, practicing my 60 second routine that I will do. And, you know, it really, you know, not only helps with your conditioning and and how you present your physique on stage, but it's also going to help you, uh, you know, push that water out of the muscles. It's, it's just going to give you a better look all the way around. So, and then, I'm definitely going to make sure that I manage sleep. I talk about it a lot. I talk about sleep and recovery being absolutely critical in the process. You can't grow. You can't recover. You won't burn fat unless you're getting adequate sleep. I mean, if the more, the better. If you can figure out a way to get nine, 10 hours a night, that's only going to help you. Now, there will be a time in a hard cut where it's going to be hard to sleep. I'm going to give you that warning right now. The last couple weeks before the show for me in 2019, I was waking up at 2 a.m. and I couldn't go back to sleep. I think it was because the extreme caloric deficit uh, that I was in, you know, the training and, and, you know, it's for whatever reason, you know, it was very difficult. I would, I would go to bed at like 7.30, 
but I would fly out of bed, you know, wide awake at two. And there, there became a point where I'm like, there's no way I'm going back to sleep. Might as well get up and freaking load the dishwasher or something. So, but you know, if you can sleep, sleep because you will just look better. Trust me on this because the more sleep you can get and the less stress that you can go through, you're, you're going to look so much better. And speaking of stress, cortisol is a killer. You know, lack of sleep generates cortisol. Stress can stop your progress in its tracks. Cutting is already a massive stressor. Training is a stressor. Don't add to it with outside stress. You always hear that the physique competitor who looks amazing four days out and then all of a sudden they're puffy and they look like a shit show mess the day of the show. You know, either they went too far off their usual routine because if it's not broke, don't try to fix it with some voodoo that somebody on the internet told you to do. But oftentimes it's, they get so stressed out and secrete too much cortisol that their, their bodies react by holding onto water as a defense mechanism. And you just look puffy and you just don't look as good. So that's why the, you know you wake up a lot like the next day and you look amazing because you're not stressed out anymore. You're not standing up on stage. You're not freaking out. You're not nervous. So make sure you put in the work and you stick to that dietary compliance so you know when you wake up that morning of the show, you know, you know, hey, I've done everything I can possibly do. There's nothing more I can do. So why freak out? You know, put in the work. Know that you did all of you could all you could, all you can do. Then relax and enjoy the last day or two and rock the stage with no regrets. Right? Why do so many panic and try to rely on tricks and gimmicks gimmicks the day of the show or before the show? It's because they didn't diet hard enough. Be in shape and you have no stress. Sounds like simple advice, but it's very sound advice. Apart from a few simple things, you should have to change almost nothing the week of the show if you did your work. If you dieted hard enough, if you trained hard enough, if you did what you were told, you stuck to the program, you will enter peak week in shape and all you got to do is cruise to the stage and make a couple tiny adjustments right before a little bit of carbon up, a couple little things that any good coach can walk you through and then you're ready to rock it. So, you know, things you might not think about a tan. If you're going to be on stage, you got to get spray tanned. You want to have several coats. You don't want to be the guy, you know, in, in the real, in real lighting and in the real world, you know, spray tan for competition, you look absolutely ridiculous. But then when you stand up on stage, it just makes sense. It works under those theater lights with the posing oil on presenting that physique, the more tan, the better your tan is, the better it shows the body. So, you know, you definitely want to, you know, if you feel like, you know, you're maybe too dark, put on another coat. I will have one or two coats the two days before the show and then get another, you know, final heavy coat the night before and the morning of the show, you know, and I've got to the point now where my wife's a pro at it. She does it for me. And, uh, my last show that I won, I thought I had the best tan on stage. So, you know, things you may not think about, you know, getting your tan. If you're a woman, you got to think makeup and hair. You got to think little things like nails, you know, come into play, especially if you're in the bikini division. So, uh, you know, and, and again, it's not about so much the scale. It's not about body fat. It's about, you know, looking your best. It's about, you know, uh, how you present visually and in photographs. That's the best way to judge. You're not going to stand on stage holding a scale. 
You're not going to stand on stage and sort of pull out your body fat report out of your pocket and uncrinkle it and show it to the judges. You're going to stand there and present your physique. I never knew my body fat in any competition. Now, I had a trusted friend who would come in who's been doing this longer than I have and look at me and say, oh, hey, you're looking good. You're probably 6%. Good. You know, if we can get down another half percent to another full percent, you're going to be ready to go. He'd literally pinch my skin and see how thin my skin was. We look at my vascularity, you know, if you get those lower abdominal veins popping out, you know, glute striations in your glutes, then you know you're in the low single digits body fat. I never stepped on a damn scale until I weighed in the night before the show. You know, this in 2019, I had no idea what I weighed. And I, I just assumed, I thought I'd be about 208, 209. I don't even know why I thought that, but this is what I thought. I was 213. I was like, holy shit, I'm heavier than I thought. Well, cool. So, you know, I didn't know until the night before the show. I don't give a shit about scales. My clients will tell you, you know, and if you're one of my clients, you're nodding your head. I don't really care much about your scale weight, but you better send me your damn pics when I put it on your calendar because I got to see it. Then I know. I need to know how you're wearing your weight and then I know what adjustments to make. Okay. So get a full length mirror and take weekly pics. This is the best way to gauge progress. You know, like I said, in all my shows, I, I never knew, knew how much I weighed before the show. Judges don't put scales on stage. Symmetry, leanness, conditioning, that wins the day. You know, I recommend every Friday or Saturday, immediately upon wake up and after you go potty, get completely naked and take a pic, you know, or at least do a, a honest mirror evaluation. And if you wish to, to, you know, go away and see, you know, where your progress is, that's fine. But don't let, don't let it get in your brain because it's not what tells the story. It's visual and photos that tell the real story. You know, you want the same conditions every time as well. No filters, no strategic lighting. You're not trying to win an Instagram contest. You know, same lighting, same visuals, same time, same conditions, you know, every week or every two weeks or whatever your coach asks for. Okay. So, you know, once again, you haven't heard anything that is super cutting edge here. There, there's no tips or tricks. You know, people say, well, what supplements? My supplement list is so short. You know, you want to know my supplements? I'll tell you. I do a whey protein isolate shake. I usually use Dimatize ISO 100. Most people know this already. I take a, a, an, a multivitamin pack, an animal pack. I've been taking animal packs since fucking 1994. I take magnesium. I take potassium. I take vitamin D3 with K2. I take one gram of omega-3s every single day. And I try to take some CoQ10 every single day. Yes, I will use some fat burning aids. It doesn't make a huge difference, but it can make a small difference. Especially if you're very lean, it can make a little bit of a difference. I will use Animal Pack, the company that makes the multivitamins. They have a cutting formula. I will do Animal Pack cuts for you know, during that last, you know, maybe eight to 10 weeks. And I also may take some Yohembine HCL. Uh, and I will do that on an empty stomach before my steady state cardio. And that is it. That's the supplement list. So uh, understand, it's not so much the protocol as it is with the follow through. It's how dedicated you can be. It's a test of your diligence and sacrifice. Getting to 4%, 4 to 6% body fat for men and you know 10 to 13% body fat for women is hard. It's a mind game. This is where how you will find out how strong you truly are. So this is it. 
This is what we do. No voodoo, no tricks, no gimmicks. You don't need uh, prescription diuretics, crazy water and sodium protocols. That shit doesn't work. We've, we've gotten past that two decades ago. No bizarre training change-ups. You just need hard work, sacrifice, and a willingness to do whatever it takes. And lastly, you know, again, I have to stress the importance of reducing the stress. One of the reasons people look great two days out and puffy, the, puffy mess the day of the show is they try to make too many adjustments or they try to rush it at the end because they didn't put in the work all those weeks prior. And then you release too much cortisol and you look like shit. You got to trust the process, relax. Friday before the competition or Friday before the photo shoot, if it's on a Saturday, you should be relaxed, chilled, stress-free because you know you did all you could and the rest will take care of itself. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. You're doing something only about, at the most, 2% of the population will ever do. You're already a winner. You know, if, if you don't want to actually compete, if you just want to be the non-competitor and do a photo shoot or something like that, you now, I've just given you the resources that are available to the elite competitors. You can apply much of this information to your life and still make unbelievable changes. 90% of my clients will never compete. But training and dieting like one can be incredibly advantageous. You know, when you think, you know, if we think about it, aren't we all really bodybuilders? We're trying to build the best body we can through training and diet to reach our absolute best genetic potential. Your goal should be to increase lean muscle, reduce body fat, improve, improve cardiovascular health, as well as overall health markers while achieving your absolute best genetic physique could, you could ever present. We all work hard to achieve our greatest genetic potential. We are building our bodies for the better. You are a bodybuilder in the truest sense. So, you know, welcome to the damn club. But if you think through everything I just told you, I'll bet you I probably didn't tell the greater majority of you anything that was some startling revelation. <gasps> That's what I've been missing. Oh, that one thing he said that I haven't been doing. You know, the one thing you haven't been doing is giving full compliance. That's the one thing you haven't been doing. You can train harder in the gym. You can't prove me wrong. You can diet harder. You can't diet any harder than you are. Prove me wrong. I could diet harder. Last year, when I won both of my classes, I probably could have dieted a little harder. And now, I, now I'm ready to take it to another damn level next year. And I'm mentally preparing myself every day for when that moment happens, what I'm going to have to suffer through in order to take it to a different, greater level than I did before. And this is literally, this is going to be at 52 years old. I'm only capable of so much at my age, but I'm going to tell you this. It's going to be the absolute most I can give. I'm going to squeeze every damn drop, God willing, out of myself that I possibly can, barring some injury or unforeseen mishap. As long as I stay healthy and I'm capable, I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked in my entire life. And it's starting right now. And it's just going to keep building and building and building until I wake up the morning of that competition 
comfortable and confident and ready to kick ass because I know I left nothing to chance and I gave it everything that I had. So, what does it take to build an extreme physique, a stage-worthy body? I just told you. Now it's time to follow through. It's not necessarily the protocol or the program so much. I mean, you got to get the numbers right. And it's good to have a second set of eyes, you know, on you and taking care of you and walking through and walk, taking the journey with you. That's why I do what I do. But it's all about putting in the work. There's no secrets that the pros out there are withholding from you that they only reserve for their tiny little community of super freaks. The same rules apply to you as it does to them. Hard ass work and you too can achieve your greatest genetic potential. So I think I've taken enough of your time. We're about uh, an hour and 20 minutes in. So I'm going to close this thing out. So, you know, um, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is I'm just, I've got people right now that are getting, you know, near competition time. You know, I've got a couple people out of train right now that have shows coming up in October and November. I'm so proud of them. They've worked so damn hard. And, you know, I love it. What was the A team? Remember that show? If you're old like me, the, the, the guy, the, the head guy, I always said, I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when we're in, when we're in the trenches and we're crunching the numbers and they're putting in the work and, and then, I say, you know, let's make this adjustment. And, you know, they start to get crazy because that's what happens when you compete. You start to question everything. And I'll say, trust me on this. And then we'll make that adjustment. And then we'll push and push and push. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of comes into view, you know, and there's that physique. And, uh, you know, myself and people that I work with, it's, it's this incredible moment when, you know, you can almost hear the enthusiasm in something they've typed to me, you know, it's like, you can tell they're giddy as a freaking school kid because they're like, Oh my God, you know, I've never seen that many freaking abs before. You know, I've never seen that level of, of vascularity before. I've never, I've never seen this version of me before. And whatever version that is of you that you are looking to accomplish, we can do that. You can do that. Anything is possible if you're willing to put in the work. So, Cheers to all you guys that are coming into the end of this crazy ass year with everything that we've been through and you've still gutted it out. And if you're stepping on stage at the end of 2020, God bless you. You're a badass. I'm not even competing this year, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you rock. So listen, I can't thank you guys for the support. We've had, gosh, several thousand downloads of this podcast already and we're just now four in so thank you so much for your support i my online coaching is exploding uh i may have to i may have to literally you know cap it here soon because i'm getting so many people and i want to be able to make sure that i give everybody the attention that they, that they deserve so um, you know, I still have some room available if you need anything. I still have the in the trenches membership, which is every workout that I do. That's only seven bucks a month. So check that out. I've got a nutrition only coaching program. That's crazy inexpensive. We can help get you dialed in with your nutrition. If, if that's just what, if that's all you need, but there's something for everybody. And, uh, I, I've, I think, 
you know, just four episodes into this little podcast. I don't think I've ever had more fun, you know, doing something like this. And this is, this has been a fantastic honor and a blessing. So thank you all for your support. Thank you for recommending it to people. I know a lot of you are, I know a lot of you really go to bat for me in the Facebook group and stuff. And, you know, and you don't have to do that and you do. And I, it really means a lot to me. And, um, I've got an Instagram page that I'm, um, I've made a commitment to be really active on really starting now. And I'm going to be posting videos and pictures and things that I'm doing through my entire prep starting now all the way through until next through next year. So if you go to Instagram and search for at the real Rob Goodwin and follow me, I'd appreciate it. I promise uh, that I will hit you back and uh, give you some cool content to check out. So thank you for that. And uh, hey, until episode five, consider what we talked about today. Think about entering your own competition, whether it's against others or just yourself. Set that date. If I can help you on that journey, please let me know. And until episode five, this is Rob signing off for the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast. And uh, hey, man, go train hard, go eat a big steak, and uh, peace.